Hey there, it's the NPR Politics Podcast. Didn't think we'd be back so soon, but this afternoon news broke that John Kasich is dropping out of the race. Ted Cruz dropped out last night, and that just leaves Donald Trump. So we're going to talk about that for just a minute. We'll have much more on a crazy week in politics in tomorrow's roundup. I'm Scott Detrow, campaign reporter. I'm Domenico Montanaro, political editor. And I'm Mara Liason, national political correspondent. So Mara, this is it. Donald Trump is the last man standing on the Republican side. He's not just the last man standing. He vanquished all of his foes. He uh, subdued the GOP establishment, and he really triumphed. He won Indiana, and then Kasich and Cruz dropped out, and now the Republican establishment is trying to get their minds wrapped around someone they had once considered unimaginable is actually the apparent nominee of the Republican Party. Yeah, the apparent uh, and literally de facto because (laughs) (laughs) there's no one left. It's just Donald Trump still standing. I mean, who would have thought that a year and a half ago? There's no way. It is really a lot to digest. He's the original big birther. He's a might, reality- might be what he calls his golf club. Yeah, right? right. He's a reality TV star. He's the insulter of multitudes. And this is somebody who was counted out. But there is now a big debate inside the Republican Party. Usually by now, the party would be rallying around their nominee, falling in line. That's happening to a certain extent because Republicans are very, very motivated to defeat Hillary Clinton. But there are a lot of holdouts, people who say morally and ethically they cannot support Donald Trump. Well, Mara, we're going to go forward and talk about what comes next in a moment. But first, let's just take a step back. Um, Donald Trump, you're right. He comes from a reality television background. He's been famous for decades. He comes down that escalator at Trump Tower last summer to announce his presidential bid. And for a long time, his 16 other Republican opponents, a lot of them very accomplished multiple term governors, senators, basically ignored him. In your mind, when did Republicans start to first realize, wow, Donald Trump is going to be a serious candidate and might actually take this nomination? After he won New Hampshire. And it was a failure of imagination on the part of everyone, the journalists, conservative intellectuals, columnists, the Republican establishment. They just couldn't imagine that he could go the distance because not only was he not a typical Republican or a conservative, but he said and did things that would have disqualified any other normal candidate immediately. I talked to one conservative yesterday who said Godzilla kept on chomping on the electric wire, but he never got electrocuted. <laughs> well, and isn't that partially because there was no real electricity in the wire anymore? I mean, the fact is that like, I think that a lot of what happens here is that the elite the elite intellectuals that some of us talk to, the inside D.C. strategists, the veterans, the reporters who are used to a certain kind of you know structure of the things that are supposed to make a candidate work. They weren't in touch with the kinds of people that Donald Trump was appealing to. I think this is exactly right. The biggest story this cycle is not just about Donald Trump. It's the Republican Party and what has happened to it. You don't have to look very hard to see that Donald Trump was plowing a very fertile field. Uh, You had a blue-collar base that was becoming estranged from the corporate-backed Republican establishment for years. And then years and years of the Republican Party wooing these voters with social issues, never having an economic program for them. Then Mm -hmm. along comes wage stagnation, globalization, and one important key ingredient, which is that the Republican establishment told these voters, just give us control of the House and Senate and we will stop Barack Obama in his tracks. No problem. Easy peasy. We are going to overturn the Obama agenda. And it didn't happen. And the thing that struck me over and over again in the exit polls of every primary, the question, do you feel betrayed by your leadership? 
leadership in Washington. Huge majorities right. of Republicans. We shouldn't said be they shocked did. when you see. We should not be when shocked when you see that John Boehner was forced out, essentially as Speaker of the House, someone who'd been there for a long time and was not able to stop Obama, wasn't able to get through the kinds of things that a lot of the people in the grassroots and the Tea Party and elsewhere in the country had really wanted for years and thought that they were going to get when they took back the House in 2010. Look, the Tea Party begat the Freedom Caucus, begat Donald Trump. But winning a a, a sizable chunk of Republican voters, and it's worth pointing out that Donald Trump, all that talk about him hitting a ceiling evaporated in the last few weeks, and he was winning 50 percent, 60 percent in many states. Uh, A general election electorate is much, much different than a Republican primary, isn't it? No question about it. This is the big thing that, you know, when Donald Trump grew his support, he is the biggest hurdle that he could possibly face coming up. You know, Republican pollsters uh, and other demographers have anticipated that this is going to be the first election where only 70 percent, maybe less, 68, 69 percent of the electorate for the first time would be white. If that's the case, you know, remember, the Republican primary is 95 percent white, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the map and we'll all start looking at that map and the path to 270, you know, Donald Trump is going to have a very narrow path and he's going to have to have huge turnout among white men in particular. And if he's not able to do that, it could be a landslide. Donald Trump has an answer to that. And his answer is... I brought all these people into the primaries. Look at how primary turnout on the Republican side is way up. So I can bring all these new white non-college educated voters into the general election and I can flip all these blue states red like Pennsylvania and Michigan, Iowa, Ohio, um, Wisconsin. I talked to a Republican pollster today who said he's not so sure about that until he has a chance to examine the voter lists and see if Trump actually did bring new people into the process or just brought in voters who had been voting Republican in the general but just hadn't been participating in the primaries. In other words, Trump might have not expanded the overall electorate the way Barack Obama did by bringing in young people and minorities. He merely might have expanded the Republican primary electorate. Right, which is a big, big difference. Big difference. But for all that talk about Donald Trump making a play in traditional <laughs> Democratic states. I mean, there was real polling in Utah, the deepest of deep red states that show Hillary Clinton running basically even with Donald Trump there just because so many Mormon voters are so turned off by Donald Trump. I mean, how much does an untraditional candidate like Donald Trump skewer the map that we're so used to looking at where it's five or six states up in play and the rest are pretty much determined? Well, that is what Democrats are hoping, that Donald Trump is not only a motivator for his own blue collar base, but also that he turns out college-educated suburban women to vote for Hillary, that he encourages Hispanics to register to vote for the first time. We know that Hispanics are underrepresented uh, in the electorate based on their proportion of the population. Uh, So he could change the map. Places like Arizona, places that Democrats have longed for for years, this could be the tipping point. But one thing we should keep in mind, Hillary Clinton hasn't exactly been a great candidate here, okay? And, you know, I like to say that in basketball, you can't teach height. You know, in politics, you can't teach candidate. And Hillary Clinton has already said that she's not a natural candidate. She's not a natural campaigner. However, you are going to see Barack Obama campaign for her. She's going to have a lot of surrogates and a lot of energy behind her to try to uh, help raise the level of some of her deficiencies. Before we uh, say goodbye to the primary for good, I just want to make one point or ask one question about John Kasich, who dropped out of the race today. In in any other year, a candidate with his resume, two-term governor of Ohio, longtime member of the House of Representatives, would have been someone that would be a very serious contender for the nomination. But but this year, he, he won his home state, 
you know, he hung around for months afterwards, but gained, you know, single digit delegates after that and basically flatlined. What happened to the John Kasichs of the world this year? Well, I think that's the question to ask for a lot of candidates. Jeb Bush, what happened to all the moderate establishment Republican candidates? That's not where the Republican moderate, Party is anymore. Moderate, by the anymore. way, quote unquote. Moderate, quote unquote, but but it's all relative. Right, yeah. Uh, the party's moved so far to the right. Uh, the Republican Party isn't there. Ted Cruz knew where the base of the Republican Party was. Yeah. And I think, barring Donald Trump, he would have probably been the nominee because he understood where the party was going. But the John Kasichs of the world have been left out. So we should say that we learned this afternoon that John Kasich was going to drop out. A senior advisor within the campaign said to me that he actually was on the plane, on his private jet, leaving Ohio and decided on the plane that he didn't want to do it, didn't think it was worth it, and decided to go the same route that Ted Cruz did. The Mario Cuomo plane on the tarmac moment. Except Only he, he was did in run. it. He did run and he didn't win and we knew what happened. And it's, <laughs> and it's so perfectly John Kasich, yes, isn't it? Yes. Right. You could just see him like getting hit by a bolt of lightning, you know, metaphorically and saying, you know what? No, that's it, John. Turn it around. This is isn't going to work. He was also reported to have told uh, his his staff, my heart isn't in it. Yeah. Wow. All of a sudden or all along? <laughs> Maybe he can eat those sandwiches in Ohio now instead of going in yes, a sandwich eating tour of America. That's oh, man. right. Those sandwiches right. looked good. Yeah. So, so we have an interesting situation here where the two nominees are people that Americans have by and large known and had very strong opinions about for decades. And more so for Hillary Clinton than for Donald Trump even. But yes, that's true. It's very hard to turn around negatives. And she has historically high negatives. He has even higher negatives. Usually, conventional wisdom is when you have candidates who are this unpopular, it's a recipe for an ugly, nasty campaign because you can't turn around your negatives. All you can do is cut down the other guy. Uh, so that's what it'll, it sounds like. But there are slight differences. He has a temperament problem. She has a character problem. Those are a little different. People mm -hmm. worry about his finger on the button. People just don't like her or trust her, and they don't find her relatable. But uh, they do think she's competent. They right? do I mean, think she's competent. There's a difference there. They do think she's competent. She's not likable. He, to many people, is scary. Yeah. And well, when we talk about these, these likability factors, right, both of them start off as major party nominees, the least likable major party nominees since polling began in this country. And that's important. But I will say elections are choices. And a lot of times people will hold their nose when they go into the voting booth. And that's what it looks like this election is going to be. So it's a big week. We have our apparent Republican nominee, and it is Donald Trump. We'll talk a lot about that and a lot of other things in our weekly roundup tomorrow. And until then, you know where to find us, nprpolitics.org. You can also email the show at nprpolitics at npr.org. I'm Scott Detrow, campaign reporter. I'm Domenico Montanaro, political editor. I'm Mara Liason, national political correspondent. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.